0: Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association. Missouri produces wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details on the variety of products made in the state are at choosewood.com. From the St. Louis Public Radio Newsroom, this is The Gateway. It's Tuesday, March 2nd. I'm Wayne Pratt. The coronavirus pandemic has changed the way movies are released. For local filmmaker Joseph Puglio, web streaming opened new audiences for his documentary about St. Louis neighborhood, The Hill.
1: The fact that these festivals became virtual now gave us the opportunity to reach beyond just that region. And so we started getting people watching it in Chicago, watching it in New York.
0: In just a few minutes, St. Louis Public Radio's Jeremy Goodwin tells us about the reception to the film America's Last Little Italy, The Hill. It's primary election day in St. Louis. Polls close at 7 tonight in the races for mayor, comptroller, and 16 of the 28 seats on the Board of Aldermen. It's the first election using a new system known as approval voting. Voters can choose as many candidates as they want today. The top two for each office advance to next month's general election. St. Louis Circuit Court Judge Michael Stelzer is extending a moratorium on evictions until April 5th. Attorneys for people facing removal from their homes also want city officials to release aid to those who need it most. St. Louis Public Radio's Andrea Henderson reports.
2: Arch City Defenders attorney Lee Camp says people facing eviction are in desperate need of housing assistance. Some families in the region are behind a year's worth of rent because they lost income during the coronavirus pandemic. In January, St. Louis received $9 million of federal housing aid. However, the city has not distributed the money. Camp says he worries that if the city does not do so soon, then communities of color will suffer the most.
0: We have to get this money out if we want to really address the housing stability crisis that we are staring right in the face.
2: Camp says some people are returning to work, but they owe an enormous amount for rent, and that debt will follow them long after the pandemic. I'm Andrea Henderson, St. Louis Public Radio.
0: Missourians who received unemployment benefits the state says they were not entitled to, may not have to pay all of it back. The Missouri House has initially approved a bill that would waive repayment of the federal portion of unemployment overpayments. That's about 80% of the $150 million the state is trying to collect from some who received unemployment benefits last year. Representative Jay Eggleston, a Republican from Maysville, is sponsoring the bipartisan bill. He says it will bring relief to about 46,000 Missourians.
1: Plus, it doesn't make a lot of sense to use state employees and state resources to recoup money from our citizens only to send that money to Washington, D.C., especially when the feds aren't asking for it back.
0: People would still need to pay back state overpayments under Eggleston's bill. He says they would not be charged any penalties or interest. Missouri Governor Mike Parson is releasing the rest of the funding he withheld from the state budget. As St. Louis Public Radio's Jacqueline Driscoll reports, the funds were restricted because of the pandemic's impact on the economy. Parson says he's releasing roughly $280 million, which is the remainder of the funds he withheld at the height of the pandemic, because Missouri's economy continues to improve. When Parson made the decision, the state's unemployment rate was projected to be more than 16 percent, but as of Monday, it's now below 6 percent. With the release of these funds, the Department of Elementary and Secondary Education has received all $123 million back into the Education Foundation Fund. Higher Education and Workforce Development Health and Senior Services, and the Department of Revenue are among the others that received funding. Parson credits his, quote, balanced approach to the handling of the pandemic that has allowed
2: the state to rebound economically. In Jefferson City, I'm Jacqueline Driscoll, St. Louis Public Radio.
0: The longtime mayor of Columbia, Illinois, has resigned following a federal public corruption indictment. Kevin Hutchinson is accused of making a false statement to a federal task force. The indictment alleges Hutchinson and his company received referral commissions from insurance contracts obtained by the city. In a letter to members of the city council, Hutchinson wrote, it was in the best interest of the city and his family to resign. When St. Louis filmmaker Joseph Puglio released his documentary about the city's Italian-American neighborhood, The Hill, last year, he thought the lack of in-person film festivals would hurt attempts to get the word out. But he says online streaming has introduced his film, America's Last Little Italy, to new audiences. St. Louis Public Radio's Jeremy Goodwin asked Puglio how the pandemic affected the rollout of his first feature-length film. The big thing
1: with COVID that, you know, at, at first we thought was going to be a huge detriment was, was going to be with our festival run. And the fact that, you know, we're not going to have that in-person experience. But, but what came of it was, was incredible. The fact that so many people from across America, from Italy, started buying tickets for our film to watch it at the festival. Whereas in a typical year, we would have just got, you know, we would have sold out the Tivoli or wherever they would have shown the film. People would have came, they would have watched it, they would have left, and that would have been the end of it. And it would have been all people from St. Louis. And then if we went to New Haven, it would have been all people from New Haven, which is a festival that we got into, or Little Rock. The fact that these festivals became virtual now gave us the opportunity to reach beyond just that region. And so we started getting people watching it in Chicago, watching it in New York. We can't wait till till the pandemic is over and we could come and visit The Hill. That started in July and hasn't stopped to this day. I still get these messages, you know, on a daily basis from people that are now finding the film on Amazon. And, you know, the places that you would assume would have the most pushback, New York, Chicago, things like that. They're, they're, they're the people that are the most excited about this and can't wait to come visit.
2: You mean people so, who might, you know, be proud about where they're from? and
1: Exactly. Little Italys in America are pretty much gone
2: many in other cities cling to the concept of little italy it's merely a facade of what it used to be maybe it's one block long now where there's mostly italians or are two square
1: blocks long or you still have a a series of italian restaurants in the area they just they don't know they don't know because they've never heard about it and they've never been here now this film is giving Kind of shining a light on this neighborhood. It's, this, this film is now has, has the opportunity to, to educate people that this neighborhood does exist.
2: Joseph Puglio started shooting interviews for the film just a matter of days after executive producer Rio Vitali pitched him the idea for a documentary about The Hill. Puglio says that with a generation of Hill residents getting older and the pandemic looming, the film wouldn't have turned out how it did if not for that speed.
1: A lot of these elderly residents on the hill in the neighborhood were starting to pass away. So every time one of these one of these hill lifers passes away, we're losing the stories with them.
2: Yeah, Joseph. At the end of the film, we learned that ten of yeah. the people we had just heard from in the film uh, passed away in in twenty nineteen and twenty twenty.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I mean, it was a uh, it was an emotional experience for us to you know have these conversations with these elderly uh, residents of the hill and sitting there with these interviews, watching these interviews day after day, you begin to really know these people. These people become, you know, extremely close to you through, through that process. And for us to have lost, um, like you said, 10 of these members, it's just, it's been something that's emotional to us, but, but also, um, you know, kind of proves the point that, you know, how important this was for us to get these stories while we had the opportunity.
2: Yeah, when you see those faces at the end of the film, uh, there's a real sense of this history moving beyond living memory, like in front of our eyes and capturing that while it's still there.
1: Yeah, for us, that was that was the selling point was, you know, the fact that we were losing these people and, and you know, we have to do this while while we still can.
0: That was filmmaker Joseph Puglio speaking with St. Louis Public Radio's Jeremy Goodwin. Our David Cosserese edited that report. Shula Newman is the executive editor of St. Louis Public Radio. Music by Ryan McNeely of Adult Fur. I'm Wayne Pratt. From the St. Louis Public Radio newsroom, this has been The Gateway.